0: Under the cover of a still rising massive death toll and lockdowns around the world and with the guise of over 16 million new unemployment filings just in the last three weeks here in the United States, the Federal Reserve just took a $2.3 trillion step closer to the edge of monetary oblivion. Hey, welcome back. This is Matt here from Silver Fortune and that is... Part of what I want to discuss today on the the Silver Fortune podcast, you know, I want to discuss the the coronavirus, I want to discuss the markets, Um, but I do want to start off with this uh, bit of news, if you want to call it that, out of of the Federal Reserve, a $2.3 trillion program, which by the way, unveiled this morning, coincided with the third Week in the ro- week in a row of of just huge jump in unemployment filings. As I said, this one was over six million new filings, six point five, six point six, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, which you know brings a total. The first week I think was three point three. The next one was like another six point six or six and a half million million, and then this one again another six and a half million, roughly brings that total around. Or close to 17 million new filings, over 16 million new filings, just in the last three weeks, which is totally unprecedented. And under that cover, or again, with that using that as a reason to do this, the Fed uh, unveiled a new 2.3 trillion dollar program, 2.3 trillion dollars of loans to support the economy. Now we we know where this is going long term, but but real quick, why don't we go over exactly what they're doing here? Um, first of all, they, uh, among these initiatives, and I'm, again, can some of this from, from Zero Hedge, who does a very good job generally of identifying what this is and what it's not, uh, really weeding out just this Fed speak, this, this really, uh, phony talk from the Fed about what this is and what it's not. Uh, the Main Street Lending Program, which will, quote, ensure credit flows to small and mid-sized businesses with the purchase of up to $600 billion in loans, Basically, this is an expansion of the already begun uh, Paycheck Protection Program, uh, which involves you know these loans, which oftentimes, I believe, are easily forgiven and certainly not secured with collateral in any way, shape, or form, uh, which was already begun, and, and this brings a total to roughly $600 billion worth of loans. Uh, they're going to be expanding the size and scope of the primary and secondary market, corporate credit facilities. um, and the term asset-backed securities loan facility. Again, a lot of this is from Zero Hedge to support as much as $850 billion in credit. So again, providing liquidity and, and funding for these corporate uh, debt markets, corporate credit markets. Uh, a municipal liquidity facility, which will offer as much as $500 billion in lending to states and municipalities. So, you know, as I mentioned yesterday or last week, you know, uh, sorry, not yesterday, I didn't actually get around to a podcast yesterday, uh, Tuesday, I guess, uh, estates and cities and, and their budgets are just going to be absolutely busted by this coronavirus across the board. Increased costs, decreased revenue, um, pensions, uh, which which are absolutely, I'm sure, reeling because of not only the crash in the stock market, but also the crash of a lot of their other assets like private equity and, and commercial real estate and whatnot. Uh Yeah, pension funds are going to need massive bailouts or tax hikes or something. And so this is uh, $500 billion in direct lending, in lending to states and municipalities. Basically, as Zero Hedge points out, directly purchasing the amount of short-term notes from states as well as large counties and cities. And finally, starting the Paycheck Protection Program liquidity facility. Quote, supplying liquidity to participating financial institutions through term financing backed by... PPP Paycheck Protection Program um, loans to small businesses, right? So 2.3 trillion, and and I mean it's it's crazy. You know, I was I was reading an article yesterday um, or saw a headline. This was talking about this, uh, I think round four of this stimulus program from the f- from the federal government, not the Federal Reserve and And they were talking in the context of of hundreds of billions, and I was almost thinking to myself like this is um I don't know that just doesn't have the same ring to it as as a trillion plus right You almost come to expect everything if it's serious, if it's supposed to be big, if it's supposed to be even bigger than what happened before, if it's coming out of the White House or Congress or uh, the Federal Reserve building." hundreds of billions just seems like it's not quite enough anymore am i wrong you expect trillions and and when we add it all up it's obviously still trillions but well i mean the the fed definitely uh um they definitely delivered this morning i guess again 2.3 trillion dollars now Will this all be effective? Two point three trillion on top of their their several trillion dollars worth of asset purchases. The leverage they're providing, as that article, by the way, if if you read it, shows that they, that they're providing through this Paycheck Protection Program. Um, the the hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars that they're providing to various uh, you know liquidity, uh, short term funding markets, repo markets, money markets, etc. Uh, plus the federal government and their trillions of dollars worth of, of bailouts and of stimulus thus far, will it all be effective? Is it going to um, soften the blow of, of a recession? And I like to think of it this way. We, we have two problems here. Now, th- there's all this argument, economic, economically speaking, in comparison to to the coronavirus, is the cure worse than the disease? This idea that is a you know countrywide lockdown worse than the death toll from the disease? And you guys kind of know where I stand in that camp. I'm not an absolutist in that I think at some point, and maybe now is that point, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's there's room for maneuvering on, on what should and shouldn't be locked down. Generally, I'm I'm more in favor of, yeah, let's lock things down because we just don't have testing in place. Um, we, we were, I shouldn't say caught off guard by this. We weren't. I definitely wasn't. But, but there's obviously the governments, the states, the cities were. Um, many are still reeling. Uh, the U.S. is still, some, I think, the most confirmed cases around the world. I mean, yeah, the... That's my thought that, yeah, locking it down, generally speaking. But again, there's room to maneuver there. Obviously, it, it's not a total lockdown. There's still such thing as essential workers. And we're not just talking healthcare workers. We're talking about a lot of of other workers in the healthcare industry. And, uh, sorry, not just the, the healthcare industry, but also um, you know, gas stations and, and grocery stores and hardware stores. and some places, gun stores, liquor stores. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of places that are still deemed essential, and, and we're not on a total lockdown in that sense, right? So there's there's a midway point here. I think we can't fall into this trap of either or, but that, that's not the point of what I'm saying. here. I'm not trying to get caught up in that debate right now. Rather, let's talk about the disease versus the cure in terms of this coming recession, which is actually already here, honestly, as well as, you know, the bubble in today's economy, the bubble that's far smaller than it was a few weeks ago and is still rapidly popping. Is the cure for this coming recession, depression, worse than the depression itself? Is the cure worse than the disease itself in that sense? Because again, what is the cure? Well, I just kind of laid it out for you. It's massive amounts of stimulus at the monetary and at the fiscal level. Trillions, tens of trillions when we're all said and done. Is that worse than and and I think the the answer unequivocally is yes. Now I get it. People, businesses need this funding. They need whatever they. People generally speaking don't have a whole lot in savings. Nor do businesses, despite this, you know, best economy ever uh, um, idea that we had, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, no, I mean people generally speaking were did not. Take it upon themselves to save enough. Businesses did not take it upon themselves to have that cushion, and, and I get it. This is it would be quite a cushion at this point if we're talking months of lockdown. But regardless, we had a massive bubble economy beforehand, and right now, what the Fed and what the federal government are in the business of doing is trying to keep that bubble um, intact through this all, and and ultimately. Well, the the way I think of it, is, is that for roughly ten years, following the Great Recession, through the Great Recession and since then, so ten years, twelve years maybe, uh, the again the Fed, the Federal Reserve, and the federal government, they were in the business of kicking the can down the road, of trying to put off uh, a very necessary and massive collapse of of small businesses, of consumers, of large businesses, of the U.S. economy. I think had they allowed that to happen 10 or 12 years ago, um, it, it would have sucked. But we would have gotten through it. We uh, re- Recovery would have been, I think, pretty quick. right? And I, and I don't want to hear these comments about, you know, well, what about people? Lo-? People lost their houses. A lot of people lost their jobs. And guess what? A lot of those people did not recover financially. And you can't you know, blame that on the recession, which... Apparently, you know, the, the the blow of which was softened by the government and, and central bank policies back then. No, if we had allowed things to fall apart, I think we could have wiped the slate reasonably clean and started anew. And yet that's not what the Federal Reserve and the federal government are in the business of doing. We can see that this time around again. So they kicked the can down the road. They tried to um, push, you know, pull forward demand, pull forward growth to now and delay that economic pain for the future. and future being whenever those programs no longer work. They did that for 10 or 12 years. And then COVID-19 became a thing. Spread amongst the economies of the world, including the United States. And, and once again, though to a greater extent, they're seeing all of this potential economic pain. And they're doing their very best to push that onto to the future. Paycheck protection programs, um, stimulus checks, massive bailouts, um, uh, uh, quantitative easing, on, uh, you name it. Um, the Federal Reserve and the federal government are in the business of doing that right now. Again, putting that economic pain off for the future. And, and I know, again, what some of you are saying. Well, hey, I'm feeling economic pain. I, I get it. I get it. I'm sure you... You very well may be. You're out of work. You have bills to pay. Your budget has, for all intents and purposes, been busted. And, and 1200 or whatever your stimulus check is going to be is just not going to be enough. I get that. But when we're talking about across the entire country putting off all that economic pain for the future by printing money now and spending money now, the same thing that we've already done for 10 to 12 years, you have to understand that at some point that... Here becomes far, far worse than the disease. This COVID nineteen is not always going to be with us. I don't know how long it's going to be with us. Um, we're getting more information each day. There's some people that think we should open up the economy now, and there's some people that think we should open up the economy maybe around Christmas time. Maybe not Christmas time, but I'm exaggerating. But far out into the future, and maybe it's somewhere in between. I don't know. We'll, we'll get more information, right? And in uh, the future but eventually and i know here comes the the vocal minority uh pseudoscience comments eventually we'll have a vaccine right um eventually we'll have more robust testing eventually um hopefully we don't necessarily get to widespread herd immunity this summer cause that'd be a huge peak across the country but but we'll get closer to um, a lot of people will be able to go back to work because they've already had it. Um, more effective treatments to decrease, um, you know, the mortality. Right. This this will get better. This COVID nineteen. I, I'm convinced of that. Right. I don't necessarily think that the second wave, and, and for all my doom and gloom, this is maybe a bit of optimism for me. I don't think the second wave is going to be worse than the first one. It's going to be bad. I'm sure there'll be second, third, fourth, fifth. I'm sure but i don't think it'll be as bad unless there's a significant mutation in the virus which makes it you know more deadly or more transmissible or something this won't always be with us right and i get it your house your job your livelihood all of that is important right but what is going to be with us is the policies of today just like the policy, you know, in, in 2020, January 2020, before this was really uh, a thing as far as most Americans were considered, uh, concerned, um, the, the policies of 2008, 2009 were still with us. The Fed still carried that balance sheet for the most part. The federal government, I mean, the entire economy was still... Changed as a result of what happened in 2008 and 2009, that kicked the can down the road, and because of that, they were never able to raise the Fed funds rate all that high. Now, what two and a half percent? You know, prior to the Great Recession, it was around five percent. Right? The the um, the amount of debt at the corporate level and the consumer level here in the United States. Was still at a very high level. That was still with us because that slate had never been wiped clean, or at least you know partially clean. The federal government debt, on the other hand, had doubled in size, more than doubled. You know, if you're looking from 2007 to to 2020, 2020 I mean, more than doubled in that time frame. Right, and and there's a whole bunch of other economic consequences that was still with us, 10, 12, 13 years later. And believe me when I say that all the economic pain that we're trying to put off for the future now is going to stick with us for the next 10 years, next 20 years. And it's going to do two different things, I believe. You know, there's this idea of no such thing as a free lunch. We're going to pay for this lunch that we're getting today in the form of paycheck protection programs and stimulus checks and, and bailouts, and quantitative easing, and liquidity markets, and all that, we're going to pay for that lunch in two forms. First of all, for the next 10, 20 years, until this slate is to some extent, in some way, shape, or form, probably by a significant collapse of the US dollar wiped clean, We our economy is going to be absolutely hamstrung. I mean, you think the recovery following the the Great Recession, was slow and lackluster. And year after year, uh, what, green shoots, right? That was, I think, the term they used. Year after year, uh, banks and and analysts, et cetera, saying, you know, we're seeing signs of growth. We're seeing signs of recovery. And it just took so long to materialize. And even then, I mean, you look at the jobs numbers, there's a lot of criticism that we can pick apart about the jobs numbers. Um, the U.S. lost a massive amount of jobs during that time period. And, and by the way, I don't think we can just blame the entire poor recovery on Obama either, right? Um, I think a lot of the blame goes on on Congress and and of course the Federal Reserve, right? Um, hardly was just a product of Obama's presidency. Uh, but but for you know years we, we lost a massive amount of jobs. A lot of those good jobs in the economy, or a lot of those jobs that we gained in the economy, um, those were low-paying jobs, not very good jobs. And it, there's a whole lot that we can pick apart about just the phoniness of the jobs numbers, the the unemployment number. Inflation was the, the true numbers were suppressed for like ten years. Right? We never got a true sense of the inflation through CPI and, and, and uh, um, PCE um, because they, they played around with metrics. They played around with how it was calculated. Right? The stock market was one of the few bright spots. And the stock market, I mean, it's just a product of, of uh, low interest rates, massive amount of liquidity, massive amount of debt growth, stock buybacks. And 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 that's great for those that have four hundred one ks and but but primarily that's benefiting the wealthy. The ten per, top ten percent, but but honestly, most of the top one percent because they're the ones that hold the the bulk of the wealth, the the stock market wealth in the economy. I mean, it it was a slow and lackluster recovery from one of the deepest recessions we we'd been through. The next one's going to be even slower. Right? I'm not convinced it's going to happen though, because of reason two. Um, all this is, is going to be with us. I mean, COVID 19, several months here, but the slowdown for, for at least a year or two plus of really poor economic growth, high unemployment, et cetera. And the Fed and the federal government are going to continue with what they're doing right now: printing money, increasing, doing their very best to increase debt. Um, to, to stimulate economic growth and stimulus checks and stimulus programs and bailouts and infrastructure spending and, and quantitative easing and all of that. They're going to continue to do that. But ultimately, I think what it's going to end in is a, is a massive devaluation of the dollar. You can't print trillions of dollars. I mean, every, every billion dollars that the U.S. government spends, somebody's buying that debt. Right And 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 you know, obviously, we're not talking about a couple billion dollars. We're talking about trillions of dollars that the U.S. government is spending right now in excess of what they're bringing in. Because, hey, they're not bringing in a whole lot right now. Trillions of dollars. Somebody has to buy those bonds. That's the way the U.S. government right now works. It doesn't have to be that way. In fact, we, we uh, had an article today that I actually was thinking about discussing about the Bank of England directly monetizing debt. To uh, the, the the UK government, basically funding them directly. That's kind of what the Fed already does through quantitative easing and the purchasing of, of U.S. Treasury bonds. But but you know they don't have to lend that money to the public, the U.S. government. The Fed could give them the money uh, straight out rather than the Fed buying it from the public or from banks. Right. Um, that's an option. Obviously, it's it's not a good option. It's it ends in a very similar. Ends with, in a very similar way, uh, but but that's ultimately what the federal government has to do is they have to borrow that money. Somebody's got to buy that those bonds, and we're talking trillions and trillions, especially at such a low yield right now. The appetite's just not out there. In fact, foreign buyers are selling. I think that's going to continue to be the case for a while now. They got to pay bills. They got to um, plus move away from a dollar that I think many of them see the writing on the wall about in regards to. Um, and, and who's going to buy all that extra debt? It's going to be the the Federal Reserve. They're going to monetize hundreds of trillions, maybe even tens of trillions, uh, when it's all said and done, of U.S. government debt. Monetized meaning they're going to buy those bonds with freshly printed money. Digital, of course, not in the physical sense, generally speaking, but but freshly printed money. Money that's been created out of nowhere. We're talking a Fed balance sheet north of $10 trillion a year, uh, maybe two years from now, I would say, if not higher, because of you know, the exponential growth uh, of all this. Right? How does that all end? I mean, you, you can't print trillion after trillion after trillion and take on trillion after trillion dollars worth of debt without a massive devaluation of your currency. Does this end in hyperinflation? Um, I don't think it necessarily has to um, be hyperinflation. I think we can just deal with some good old fashioned, really high inflation. You know, this is the U.S. dollar, and I I get it. You know, the U.S. dollar is eventually going to fall as as the de facto world reserve currency. I think that's going to come in the next year or two, probably. I could be wrong. I could be premature on that, but but I think we can deal with. I think it's more more realistic, maybe at least to begin with, at least 20 percent inflation, which sounds tame compared to you know Venezuela or Zimbabwe or, or Germany in the nineteen twenties. But but believe me, I mean that's that's hugely damaging to to an economy, uh, uh, not just the dollar, not just savers, but but across the board. That's that's a very high amount of inflation. Um, and, and it's only going to get worse because, hey, guess what? What does the Federal Reserve and what does the government do when, when they're faced with, with those types of problems? They print money and, and they take on more debt, which is ultimately going to be monetized. I mean, that's the other way that this ultimately ends. All of this pain that we're trying to push forward to the future now is going to lead to one of the worst economy, the worst recovery period ever by a major economy in the world. It's going to be terrible, I think, for a long time following this. You're going to hear green shoots or maybe even see the stock market going up. But the real economy, the recovery is going to last much longer and be much worse than what we had after the Great Recession. And on top of that, you're going to have massive amounts of inflation. Because how else do you solve this problem if if the Federal Reserve and the government is not willing to allow widespread defaults? Again, this, this idea of, to some extent, wiping the slate clean. Widespread defaults. How else is this problem going to be solved? There, the, the Federal Reserve and the federal government are in the business of putting out brush fires, and eventually they're going to run out of water, they're going to run out of fire suppressant, and they're going to be faced with this massive forest fire of inflation. Right? I mean, that's the only way you can really try and wipe the slate clean, is that the underlying currency is wiped away or devalued by a full, you know, cut in half in value over a couple of years or more, maybe cut into a tenth of what it is right now. That's a reality. I mean, you have to understand that, I mean, this is, this is likely, I think, very likely to, to happen over the next five years, you know. Maybe ten years, but but you have to understand factor that in now to your I mean your retirement your savings. How are you going to navigate a world where your paycheck right now may double triple in size, but the underlying value of the dollar is going to be cut to a tenth of what it is right now. Same thing goes for your retirement assets. yeah, the stock market might keep up but but hey guess what? most people in their retirement, their 401 ks, their pensions, or whatever. What do they have in addition to stocks? A lot of bonds, which, by the way, are in a massive bubble right now. And they're not pricing in any of this inflation. I mean, that's, that's the pain that we're trying to put off into the future. But we can't do that indefinitely. There is no such thing as, as a free lunch, right? We're feeding ourselves today. We're, we're stealing from the storehouses today. But, but we're not putting a whole lot into those storehouses to replace what we're taking out. And eventually they're going to be empty. And there's going to be a lot of people that are, are going to, I don't know, look to the wealthy and say that it's their fault. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the, the way in which our corporate, govern, uh, corporate government, our corporates, corporations here in the United States and our government works together is sickening. It's in many ways, when people say we live under a corporatocracy, there's some element of truth to that. But it's not just the rich that we're talking about here. We're talking about a fat government, an overweight government, a massive government that spends way more than it should with the assistance of the Federal Reserve um, and, and their, uh, their ability to, to print, you know, try and print their way out of every mess they encounter. Right? And there's gonna be a lot of people very upset with that because all of a sudden somebody's gonna look into the storehouse. One day, And and they're going to find out that, wow, we only have a week's worth of food left. Um, What happened to the, you know, the many years of food that we had in the storehouse? How come we weren't refilling it all along the way? Well, to people like you and I, hopefully we realize that, hey, no, that's... We knew this was going to happen. This is well documented. That the amount we were taking out was not what we were putting in. We were pulling forward food or, or growth, economic growth... To the now and putting it off for the future. And 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 I can't tell you exactly when the future is. But what I can say again of those two things, this is going to be the worst rec I hesitate to use the word recovery of a recession ever in the United States. That's why I'm calling it, you know, the Greater Depression. Not only is it going to be deep, but it's going to be a very long depression, drawn out because of government and central bank policies, start preparing mentally for that now, financially too, but but start with the mental preparation now. This is going to be drawn out. COVID-19, people are going to look back at COVID-19 and say, and now granted, COVID-19 only popped a bubble that was long overdue for it popping. But people are going to look back at 2020, early 2020, much in the same way that they'll look back at, I think, nineteen thirty. People that lived through the Great Depression, and and what was the economy in, in, in the United States alike um, by 1940? I, for most people, late more or less, it was still a depression, right? And then, and then we had World War One, massive spending, and then Bretton Woods, and of course the fact that the United States was was like the only decent industrial powerhouse around the world that wasn't totally bombed out by world war ii and and we benefited from that and on you know the rest is history but but we're not going to have that benefit this time around i don't think uh no people are going to look back at 19 uh, sorry 2020 and say that's you know that's when it began that's when the stock market crashed but but more importantly the economy crashed and things looked like they were going to get better once covid19 began to subside but for some reason things didn't get better the economy was just lackluster. And the government did everything they possibly could think of. The Fed did everything they possibly could think of. And this is going to be true for so many other countries as well. Everything they could possibly think of to try and stimulate economic growth. But the only thing it did in the end was stimulate inflation. They shot bazooka after bazooka at the economy. And each subsequent bazooka did less and less uh, stimulus provided less and less stimulus than the last, and when it's all said and done, they did nothing but spark more inflation. Right? People are going to look back at this decade as as a lost decade, I think. But we don't have to. I mean, we don't have to think of it as a lost decade, right? We have a decades worth of of living here, um, time we can spend with our loved ones, our family members, and financially speaking, um, there's ways you can preserve your wealth. And if you're savvy, if you you know do your research, there's ways you can profit, right? Um, but, but but be wary of of those that say COVID nineteen once it's gone, the economy's gonna you know V shaped recovery. That's not how this is gonna work. This is a bubble that was long overdue for popping. Twenty twenty is are gonna be a lost decade economically speaking, financially speaking for a lot of people, and I think for the economy as a whole. Right. There was a couple lost years there you know, following the Great Recession. But again, this is going to be so much worse and so much more drawn out. And we're going to deal with the specter of high inflation before it's all said and done, I believe. Right, There's no other way. Now, with that being said, the other thing to be wary of, what do governments do when they deal with this type of, of adversity? Because believe me, when I say whoever's president when this is all said and done, you know, the elections this year, and 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 you know whoever's president for the first or the latter half of you know through twenty twenty four or twenty twenty eight, uh, you know as well as whoever's in charge of the Fed, and of course you know leaders around the world matter too and whatnot. Um, they'll recognize they'll have advisors that tell them that hey you know we can't just keep doing this. This is not going to work eventually, right? It, it cannot be this easy, right, to to run an economy. And eventually, they'll look for other distractions, right? Domestic distractions. They'll look for distractions abroad. I'm talking um, major global conflicts. I'm talking about a lot of death. I'm talking about um, further crackdown, censorship on media here in the United States, uh, and and truth, and I'm sure um, rights and liberties. And, and it's going to be a bad ten years because again, I mean, I think people get very upset. When they, don't have, when they can't put food on the table or when they don't have a job or they can't keep a house. And there's going to be a lot of people more than happy to fall in line behind the latest ideologue. Whether that's Trump for another four years, or it's a Biden, or somebody else, or I don't know. And then whoever after those four years, I, don't, I can't tell you for certain. But what I can tell you is that the U.S. and, and government across the world has a track record of you know, the population turning to ideologues when um, times get rough. Again, going back to, uh, I hate to say it, but, but Germany following you know, the 1920s and their hyperinflation, their economic ruin that they experienced following World War I. I'll let you de- deem if, if it was fair or not. When we look at World War One and, and the role they played in that versus you know beginning of World War Two, but but what it did ultimately give birth to was World War Two and maybe more importantly the Nazi Party, right? I'm not saying that that's where the U.S. is heading, but well, we we do have a pretty strong affinity these days towards ideologues and and um, global conflict and of course you know the extremes in parties that particularly. I think a move to the left, socialism, communism, whatever it ultimately looks like. Um, and that's that's concerning, to say the least. So be prepared for that as well. Factor that into, you know, we're not going to live in what I think will be looked back on at as relatively um, liberal times. Not liberal uh, um, politically speaking, but liberal in the sense of what we have in terms of liberties, and rights and even you know how the financial system works i mean all that's going to change as ideologue after ideologue says that they have the 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 cure um believe me the cure is going to be worse than the disease itself in so many ways and and i'm not referring to covid19 i'm talking about economically speaking and 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 look our country has kicked the can down the road we've brought forward growth to now and put it off put off that pain for the future too many times, and and it's going to, to uh, lead to some dark years, decade at least, I think. But d- don't say I didn't warn you. No, I think you guys all have a good idea of what I'm saying here. Um, but but talk to your, you know those that that believe differently that that Trump is going to fix the economy come fall time, or or that that uh, once COVID nineteen is out of our way, that that we can get back to to life as normal. No, I mean I think. Life's going to be changed to some extent by COVID-19 for quite a while, but, but let's focus on the economic side of this as well. The, again, the cure is worse than the disease, and, and I'm not referring to COVID-19. As always, though, I'd like to thank every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast. Despite the doom and gloom, I appreciate it. As always, thank you, and God bless.